This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Thanks for coming. What we're doing, as you know, Arnav is based in Brooklyn. And we got, I get a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls that girls would like an Arnava type of program where they live. So we decided that let's find out if these different places really are into it and they're really interested in having this type of uh, program. So we decided to take Ornava, we call it Ornava on the road. So I've been in Highland Park, and this week, Baruch Hashem, we're here. It looks like there's an interest. Um, and next week we're in Muncie, and then we're in Lakewood. We're all over the place. Because these are all the towns that got in touch with me that said, we'd like to have an Ornava program, even if it's once a month, twice a month, whatever it is, we'd like to get it started. So uh, Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of people here, so we know that uh, you're interested so even before tonight, I don't know, my girls must know what's going on. Um, they already scheduled on Tuesday, January 22nd, um, that we'll be back here, Mitz Hashem, with Ramati Miller. What, what we're doing is we're, we have an amazing staff. And a lot of the people on our staff, they're, 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 they're unbelievable, but only the girls in Brooklyn know about them. So Mati Miller and Rabbi Skase and Rabbi Lamb and many, many more will be coming out this once a month or twice a month, and you'll get to hear them. And um, I think that you'll find new people that are very interesting, and some of this year are on Torah anytime. And um, maybe Mitzvah Shem or Nava started nine years ago in Brooklyn with 16 girls once a week. So, and it ends today, it's, we have over 3,500 women in Ornava. So, um, who knows what's going to happen in the five towns? We'll see what happens. Okay, whoever can make it to Brooklyn, Rabbi Fischl Schechter, if you ever heard him, he's amazing. Mitzvah he will be on January 2nd, Wednesday night at 8.30 in Arnava on East 23rd and Avenue V. So this week is Pashas Vayichi. Pashas Vayichi is called a Pashas Stuma, a clothed Pasha. You don't get to see this very often, but if you were to watch the person who's, who does Kriya Satira, so between every single Pasha, there is a space. So that we know, Horatius is over, Noah started, Noah is over, each, each Pasha, we, um, we have a space. Last week's Pasha, Vayigash, ends, and the, this week's Pasha begins, Vayichi, no space. I'm a Kayan. So I get to see this, because I get an Aliyah, the, the first Aliyah, Pasha Vayichi, and yesterday I got an Aliyah, because it was Monday. And the Balkaira had a hard time finding the beginning of Pasha Vayichi because there's no space. So he has to look through every single word. Normally, there's a space. You can see it. So it's called a Pasha Stuma. Now, why is it a Pasha Stuma? So there's a Mephoshim that say, because the Gullah started, and we went into, into uh, when Yaakov died, and all the Shvatim died. At the end of this Pasha, everybody, all the Shvatim had died. So it was... We start off next, week, next week's Pasha going into Mitzrayim. So, sort of the eyes of the Jews were blinded. Stuma, closed. They were closed. That's one answer. Another answer that's given is that Yaakov wanted to tell his children when Mashiach, that would have been so easy on us, then we, then we know when Mashiach is going to come. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not allow him. Because if you knew when Mashiach was coming, then we could sin till the day before and do tshuva, the day before Mashiach comes. So that's, Totally secret, even though the world 
thought that yesterday the world was going to be destroyed, and I remember when 1999, the last day when it became the year 2000, the world was going to be destroyed, and they've been destroying this world for a very long time. But Lamaisa, Yaakov Avino, lost the ability to tell us, so it was Stuma. I want to go in a different direction. So first of all, what is the word that is closed? So last week's Pasha Vayigash ended where it was supposed to. It ended with the word Vayafru Vayirbu Ma'od. The last word is Ma'od. That's where it was supposed to end. The, the word that's Stuma is Vayichi because it was supposed to be a space after Vayigash, after Ma'od, and then there's going to be Vayichi. So Vayichi is the word that's Stuma. Life, Vayichi, life is something that is totally hidden. And the more that you think that you know what's going on, the worse it is for you. Because when a person knows that they don't know what's going on, then they can accept a lot more. Pashas Vayichi is a stuma, and I'm going to explain to you why. So let's look at... Okay. Um, let's look at the last word in last week's Pasha. The last word in last week's Pasha is the word Ma'od. Now, I'm not going to get into this whole thing, but if you want to hear this, maybe tomorrow night or Navo, I will talk about this. Yaakov, I spoke about this a little bit, there's a Chidah, and the Chidah says that Yaakov Avinu was a Gilgal of Adam. And that's why Adam, we know, was the best-looking man that ever lived, and Chava was the prettiest woman that ever lived. How do you know that? Because they weren't born. They were created by Hashem's hands. If God formed the woman, and God formed the man... For sure, they were both perfect. Absolutely perfect. So Adam was very, very good looking. Yaakov Avinu was very, very good looking. Yosef HaTzadik looked exactly like his father. Again, I don't have time to go into all these things because there's another speaker after me. But we know that Yosef went down to Mitzrayim that when he, really it says that he looked at the window and he saw his father's face. So it sounds like, I don't know, some weird story. There's a face in the window, you know, like what Yaakov sent down his face. So the Chidah says that when he looked in the window, he saw a reflection of himself. He went to open the window, and the, on the pane of glass, he saw his face. He looked exactly like Yaakov. So when he looked at himself, he saw Yaakov. And he said, how can I do this to my father? How can I do this to all the generations before me? Which is really what we should all be doing the same, that a person, when you look in the mirror, when you look in the mirror and you see yourself in the morning, you're not just seeing yourself, you're seeing your parents, and you're seeing your grandparents, and you're seeing your great-grandparents that died, that, 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 that suffered through the Holocaust, and the Spanish Inquisition, and the Crusades, and every Jew since the beginning of time, because that's how you got here. If a person saw the, the, the reflection of all the generations before us when you looked in the mirror, different day. Totally different day. When you're walking around, you see yourself. Okay, it's me. You know, it's my life. I can do what I want. You don't see that you're connected to Yosef HaTzadik before he was about to do this terrible Avera. What did he see? The Kunai Shalavim. He saw his reflection, but he saw that this is the reflection of my father. So we have to know. So Yaakov Avinu, the says the Chidah, was a Gilgal of Adam. How do you know this? Last week's Pasha ended with the word Ma'oid. Ma'oid if it's connected to Vayichi, spells Ma'od, Vayichi, Yaakov. There's no disconnection. The words are right next to each other. So Ma'od, connected to Vayichi, Yaakov. Ma'od, Vayichi, Yaakov. You take the word Ma'od, says the Chidah. It's the letters Mem, Aleph, Dalet. Play with the letters a little bit, and you have the same word, Adam. Adam, Vayichi, Yaakov. Adam lived through Yaakov. That's all I'm telling you on this subject.
it's much deeper than that, and Mitzvah Hashem tomorrow night, I hope to speak about it. But they were definitely very connected, Adam and Yaakov. So, the beginning of the Pasha, David, could you do, David, 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 could you ask the person upstairs, I don't know what they're listening to, but it's very disturbing, because it's going in one of my ears. Thank you. Okay, so... The end of the Pasha, if we look at the end of the Pasha, the end of Pasha Vayichi, it ends very strange. So if you go to Shul the Shabbos, this is Shabbos, Pasha's Chazak. Everybody's going to scream, Chazak, Chazak, Menis Chazak. What's the last Pasha? Now you have to understand something. If you look tonight when you get home, you open a Chumash, and you look at the last Pasha of Shemos, the last Pasha of Bamidba, Vayikra, and Devarim, they capsulize the whole book. And it always has the word Yisrael in it. So the last Pasuk of Bereshis should capsulize Bereshis. Creation, the Mabo, right? Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, going down to Mitzrayim, right? There's a lot, a lot, a lot of things happen in the book of Bereshis. I can't, that's Yitzchak. Let's take at the last, look at the last Pasuk in Pasha Vayichi. Vayamas Yosef. And Yosef died. Ben Shanim. He was 110 years old. also. They mummified him. They turned him into a mummy. And they put him in a coffin. The Mitzrayim in Mitzrayim. Probably the most depressing Pasik in the whole book of Horatius. So that's how we end it. Hashem created the world. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, right? Yosef died. They mummified him, put him in a coffin, and left him in Mitzrayim. And then everybody in shul, including me, we're going to scream, Chazak, Chazak, and this Chazak, be strong. Sure, last pastor just told me that they buried Yosef in Mitzrayim, and never, ever in the Torah does it say that they put him in a coffin. Nobody else was put in a coffin. doesn't say they were put in a coffin. What do I need to know by Yisem Ba'aron? What do I need to know that they put him in a coffin? Where else would they put him? What's going on in this passing? Psukim, don't waste words. Why are you ending, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why are you ending the book of creation with such a sad, tragic passing? You could have put that somewhere else. Yosef died three psukim before that. Why are you telling me the last passing seems to be this is the capsule? That they put him in a coffin? that they buried him in Mitzrayim, that he died and he was mummified, seems to be a very important Pasuk. And I worked a long time to try to figure this out. And I'm going to tell you the Tarots. We have to go back. We have to go back a little bit to understand the Tarots. So let's go back to Pashas by Yeshev. Yeshev HaTzadik has a dream, and he has a dream that there are 11 stars and a moon, and a sun, and they all bow down to him. And there are 11 bundles, and they all bow down to him. And he says over this dream, and we know that if you have the same type of dream two times in a row, it means that it's going to come true. And his brothers get very angry, but it says by his father, by Yaakov, Shama, Shama can mean, he wanted to see the reaction, Shama can mean that he didn't forget, because he understood that if his son Yosef had these two dreams, then it must be it's going to come true. So he watched it. In other words, I have to see how this is going to happen. He knew who Yosef was. 
the brothers looked at it, the Yosef is making himself king, which is Moed Bamachus, because Yehuda was supposed to have the Malchus, so they passed in that he has to die. But his father, Shama Sadov, he's like, this is going to come true, but I don't know how it's going to come true. So there's a, there's a famous question, it's a little bit of a rabbi joke, but it's a famous question, and of course, any, any, well, you'll hear the joke and then don't get insulted. Um, so the question is, how come Dina, he had a sister Dina, didn't bow down to him? Dina should have been the 12th star, 11 brothers and one, and one other star for Dina. So it should have been 12 stars that bowed down to him. But he only dreamed 11 stars. So what do we learn from this? That you can't even dream that your mother-in-law is going to bow down to you. How was Dina his mother-in-law? Dina had a baby called Osnas. Osnas married Yosef, which made Dina Yosef's mother-in-law. So the rabbi said, that, that's not going to happen. Even Yosef's dream, a mother-in-law ain't, is not bowing down to a son-in-law. That's for sure. Okay, I will note in, in my notes that the five towns do not like mother-in-law jokes. <laughs> I got to test it. Listen, I got I, I to come back here. I got to know what I'm doing. Okay, mother-in-law jokes do not work here. Fine. Anyway, serious crowd. So... So his father sends him to find his brothers. Okay, listen carefully. So he's, he's looking for his brothers. And a man finds him. And he's wandering in the field. And the man asks him, What do you want? Two big questions on this passage. One. What do you mean the man found him and behold, he was wandering? You, you don't find someone, it should say, and Yosef was wandering and the man found him. Not I found you and then you're wandering. You were wandering and then I found you. So it seems to be here, the passage's not in order. It should say, he was lost in the field, and the man found him, the, the man says, Rashi was Malach He didn't ask him, where are you going? He asked him, what do you want? If I see someone lost in the five towns, I'm going to ask him, roll down the window and say, where are you going? I'll, I'll help you get where you're going. I'm not going to ask him, so what do you want? It's not going to be my question when I see someone lo- So the Malach sees him lost. Instead of saying, where are you going? He says to him, what do you want? The Malach was telling Yosef HaTzadik, what do you want, Yosef? What are you looking for? I don't mean physically your brothers. What do you want in life? What do you want? And Yosef said a very sad thing. And this has a lot to do with chinuch. has a lot to do with kids today, teachers, kids, um, the situation of Klyestrol today. And he said what everybody wants. Mayoma, he said, I'm looking for my brothers. Tell me where they are. Yosef HaTzadik was not liked at all by his brothers. By Yisnu Oisai. They did not like him. Because he had the chutzpah, first of all, with the dreams. He had the Xenus Pasim. He was meddling between the brother, the sons of Leah and the sons of Billa and Zilpah. So when he came, when he finally came and they looked at him, they didn't call him my brother. They called him the dreamer. So he said what so many kids are screaming today. I want to belong. I just want to be recognized. I want to be part of something. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. My brothers, I just want to be one of my brothers. 
I am not accepted by anybody. Children today, not children, adults, everybody, we just want to be part of something. We want to be accepted. It's the very big word. And that's why so many kids are on the street today. Because the street accepts everybody. Schools don't accept everybody. Some families don't accept everybody. The street, no matter what you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what you do, we love you. You're one of us. We don't care what kind of marks you get on your test. We don't care how much money you have. We don't care what family you come from. We don't care where you're at in life. You want to be street? You're accepted. And kids fall into the street because of that. Because we will give up almost anything, or maybe anything, to be accepted. And so many of our children are not accepted. And sometimes it's in their head. Sometimes they really are accepted. But their perception is their reality. They don't feel accepted. They don't feel accepted in their family. They don't feel accepted by their parents. And then they don't feel accepted in school. They have nowhere to go. So you have a 13-year-old girl or a 14-year-old girl or sometimes an 8th grader who is gone, who is in the street, who's living by other people. I don't want to tell you where they're living. And I'm like, you're 13. What are you doing? And they're like, nobody likes me. I have no friends. These are my friends, my new friends. I have a 16-year-old guy, and you're 13. But he says, I'm great. And he says, I'm special. And he says, I'm beautiful. So I'm willing to give up anything to be accepted by someone, even if it's bad for me. Yosef HaTzadik told the Malach, there's one thing I want. I said, I am looking for my brothers. But he didn't get it. And when he got there, what, what, what did he get? They saw him from far. Before he even got near to them. They were planning to kill him. They were all brothers. Psukim here are fascinating. The lesson of the Torah is fascinating. I saw today, it doesn't talk about Yaakov's last 17 years in his life. It says he came down to Mitzrayim, he told Paro, I have a miserable life, and the next thing we know, he's dying. And Ephraim and Manasseh are coming to get benched. What happened those 17 years? The Torah doesn't talk about it. Why? Because the Torah is here to teach us life lessons. For 17 years, Yaakov had it easy. There's nothing to teach you from that. From somebody having life easy, there's nothing to teach you. Avram Avinu, right? After that Pasuk, nothing about Avram Avinu. Nothing. You find out that Avram Avinu died. Esav, the reason they were sitting Shiva, is because Avram died so with, with, with the lentil soup. Doesn't talk about Avram anymore. Once life got no, no struggles, no challenges, the Torah doesn't talk about those people anymore because we can't learn anything from that. From 17 years of resting, there's nothing for us to learn. So the Torah comes to that point, it stops talking about Yaakov. Those 17 years, we have no idea what happened. Unbelievable. So the, the Torah, all the, the Dina and Rachel dying and Akedah Sitzchot and Sarah not having a baby and all these, and Noah and, and, and Adam and their, all these things are in the Torah. Not a storybook. 
storybook, talk about how Yaakov Avinu, 17 years, he went to shul, and he davened, and he came home, and he had supper, and then he went to sleep, and he maybe had a hammock, I don't know what exactly, how he rested, and whatever it is. Terry's not interested in talking about that. Zero. Not one word about it. You need to know his suffering, his struggling, Yosef's struggling, because that teaches us a lesson. Over here was a struggle of a young boy that just wanted to be accepted. He didn't, he didn't tell the Malach, I want to be king, I want to be the boss, I want to be special. Nothing. Want to be one of my brothers. And they, listen to the Pazi, how every word counts. They were all brothers. All 11 of them that were there. They all were brothers. The dreamer is coming. Let's throw him into the bar. Okay. So you all know the story. We'll go through by Yeshev. And we'll come to Pashat Mikates. So in Pashat Mikates, it seems to be, and, and, and a lot of people learn this very wrong, it seems to be that Yosef wanted to get revenge. He was angry. Look what they did to him. So now he started this whole story that they're Maraglin. Right? They came in and he's like, you didn't come for food. You came because you're all a bunch of spies. Why is Yosef doing that? I am sure Yosef was a very big tzaddik. He was Michael them. What are you, what are you doing? What are you trying, why are you accusing them of being spies? Leave them alone. And the answer is that Yosef HaTzadik knew that the brothers had to do tshuva because his dreams came true. So they were saying he was a Navi Sheker. Once he became king of Mitzrayim, he, he realized, I'm not a Navi Sheker. The Nevius is going to come true. And when his brothers bowed down to him, he knew for sure he wasn't a Navi Sheker. So when they bowed down to him, the minute he said, the first thing he said to them was, you're spies. Why? Because he wanted them to do tshuva me'ahava from their own, not because he's accusing them. So what did he do? He was brilliant. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call them spies. I'm going to accuse them. I'm going to be chayshim b'kshem. I'm going to accuse them falsely. Now, my brothers are tzaddikim. What happens to you when you burn your finger? What's the first thing you say? What did I do wrong with my finger? You have an earache? What did I listen to? Lashon Hara? So he said, ah, what are they going to do? They're going to say, why is this guy accusing us falsely? We're not spies. Aha! Must be Mida Kenege Mida because we accused our brother falsely. And it's going to bring them to do tshuva. Brilliant. Brilliant idea, right? Mida Kenege Mida. They're going to figure it out. What does Yehuda say? Yehuda says to his brothers, it seems to be that we have sinned. Yosef is very excited. He's admitting that he sinned, right? He's going to do tshuva. What was his sin? He says... My sin is that we didn't have Rachmanis, we didn't have Rachmanis on our brother before we sold him. He was begging for Rachmanis, and we should have had Rachmanis on him. So, Yetzir Vatsadik said, he they missed the whole point. The wrong that you did is not that you didn't have Rachmanis on me, the wrong that you did is you judged me falsely. So he realized they didn't get it. He said, okay, we'll do it again. They're going to figure this out. So he goes and he puts the cup in Benjamin's, and they're like, Mitzram come and say, someone stole the cup, and they're like, no way, no one would ever steal a cup, and they find the cup in Benjamin, and Yehuda says, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Now he's going to get imprisoned, and he's not going to go back to my father, and my father's going to die, and Yosef's like, no, no, so take the next step. Why would Benjamin be accused falsely? 
because you accused me falsely. So do tshuva. What did you do? He says, listen, you don't let my brother go. We're going to murder you and the whole Mitzrayim. And Yosef's like, what am I supposed to do? So the Pasuk says, the low yachal this apek. He said, they're not getting it. So I'm going to have to force them to do tshuva. I tried to hint them and hint them and hint them to do tshuva me'ava. It's not happening. They're just blind to it. They think that what they did wrong, they were right for selling me, but what they did wrong was that they didn't have rachmanis. In other words, the verdict, the guilty verdict, they believe was correct. The sentence, they believe they should have had more rachmanis when the verdict itself wasn't. So what did he say? He couldn't hold it back, right? So he helped, he, he couldn't hold it back, so what did he say? He said, I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? Now, two questions. One, he knew his father was alive. Because ten times he told his father he was alive. They told him he was alive. Two, he should have said, Once he said, I need Yosef, I'm Yosef, he should have said, is our father alive? So what, why didn't he say that? So he said something unbelievable. He said something unbelievable. He said, guys, brothers, I need Yosef. I can handle that you made a mistake. I can handle that. And that you accused me falsely. You didn't go through the whole judgment process before you decide, fine, I accept that. But Ha'od Avichai, when you sold me, wasn't a father still alive when you sold me? So if he was still alive, why wasn't he in the equation when you sold me? How is this going to affect dad? And how is this going to affect my little brother, Binyamin, who doesn't have a mother? So he said to his brothers, you can stand there all day, I see, I tried, and you guys really think that the only thing you did wrong was not having Rachmanis. So I tried to make a point. You don't admit that you did something wrong. Okay, you didn't do something wrong, but what happened to my father? When you made that cheshman, did you think about the pain that our father's going to go through? Wasn't he alive? Isn't he still alive? 21 years of pain you put him through? What is your answer for that? And then he said something unbelievable. If you don't take my father into consideration when you did what you did, he's not your father. He was cut out of your equation. He's not your father. Because if he was your father, he would have been in the equation. So when we make a decision to do something or not to do something, it's not about you. You have to take into the equation everybody that it affects. And if you don't take an equation, it's going to affect my mother, my brother, my sister, me, whatever, you don't take, then they don't exist. That's what Joseph said. Not a vinu. If he was a vinu, you would have thought about him when you made that decision. But he still wants to be, after all this, he still wants to be one of them. And he wasn't. So what happens? They lose their breath because there's no answer to that question. You can make a mistake for yourself. And I always tell that to my teachers. You can make a mistake for yourself at home, wherever you want, but you cannot make a mistake for someone else. So before you make a decision, before you take a kid and throw them out of school, you got to think about, 
How is that going to affect this kid's family? How is that going to affect this kid's parents? How is that going to affect this kid's children? You're putting him out in the street. He's going to end up who knows where. He's going to end up marrying who knows what. Halavaya Jew. How do you know how it's going to affect his children? So before you make that decision, before you write failing across the sheet of paper because he got a 60 big red numbers, you need to think about how's that going to affect this child and this child's children and this child's wife or husband and this child's parents and this child's siblings because if you don't take them all into effect, then they are dead. Then they don't exist. And that's a very big responsibility. And when you're so full, there's no room in my school, and there's no room in this, and people are running around, and they can't find the school that they want, and the sister's here. And you have to understand, every decision that you make for yourself, that is your business, said Yosef. I need Yosef. You sold me? I accept it. The reaction of what you did? I don't accept it. person has to know every move that they make, and everything that they do, you have to take into consideration all the generations. And the great-grandmother that died in Auschwitz. And this is her great-grandchild. And what are you doing with this kid? She died saying Shema Yisrael. So you're throwing him out? It's a very different judgment. I'm not saying there's never a time that a child should be thrown out. But let me tell you something. There's never a time that a child should be thrown out and you don't have a plan where he's going. Yochayev Misa. You're killing that child. How dare you throw a kid into the street without a plan where he's going? It's your kid, at least. You don't belong in my yeshiva, you're a chayti, a machti, whatever you are. But I'm not going to let you go until I have a place for you. Just throw him into the street. Yes, they said, then all those people, you, and you all, all, they're not alive. He's just my father. He's not your father. And the passage goes on. So they look, they, that, that when it comes to a din like that, there's, there's, there's no answer. So they had, they had no answer. So what happened? They lost their neshama, it says. And his brothers could not answer him because there is no answer. There's an answer why you did that to me, but not why you did that to my father. King of Halumi Panov. Because they were embarrassed from in front of him. And I was thinking, this is my own shot, so I'm telling you straight up, it's my own shot. And I didn't see it anywhere. I thought to myself, if he looked exactly like Yaakov Avinu, and the Musa he was giving them now was, you forgot about my father, king of Halumi Panov. They, they, they were embarrassed in front of his face. Because his face was the face of Yaakov. And they realized that they hurt their father, and he was 100% right. My own shot. The word Mipanov comes from face. Person's face. Okay. So what is this tzaddik, and this is what we all need to learn, after all this pain that Yosef went through, and he went through Potiphar's wife, he went through jail, he went through living by himself with his two kids in the lowest nation of the world. No yeshiva for his boys, no minion, all by himself. His brothers had a minion, a yeshiva, everything they needed. He was all by himself. What did he he do? He still wants to be one of them. And he says to his brothers, Geshune Eli, come close to me. And they came close. And he said, unbelievable, listen to what he said. He's begging. He's begging to belong. This is the Torah, every word. He says, I need Yosef Achichem. 
I'm Yosef, your brother. Before he said, I'm Yosef, I'm alive. Now he said, I'm your brother. I want to be your brother. You sold your brother to Mitzrayim. He said, but don't worry about it, guys. Because the reason you sold me wasn't your fault. Hashem sent me here to feed Yisrael. And finally, many psukim later, is the pasuk that Yosef was waiting for. And he fell on the on the neck of Binyamin, his brother, and he cried. And Binyamin cried. No matter how somebody hurts you, no matter how somebody hurts you, don't hold a grudge. Nobody in this room or in this world went through what Yosef HaTzadik went through. Being sold is abuse. Being left out of his brothers, being made fun of, being in Mitzrayim, Potifa, everything he went through. And what did he do to his brothers? What does he do? He kissed every one of his brothers. And he cried on them. And here's the Pasuk. It's Pasuk Tezvav in Perak Memhei. And after he hugged them and he kissed them, he finally got his dream. So the Pasuk, And finally, his brothers spoke to him as one, as a brother. And the, the, the rumor, the voice went out in the whole house of Paro. Because Paro knew that Yosef was as high as he was. He felt rejected. He didn't feel one of his brothers. Paro knew this. No matter how high he was, he missed his brothers. So now Paro heard what went down that they called him brother. So what does it say? That The brothers of Yosef, the first time they're called by Paro. They came and now they're the brothers of Yosef. They're all brothers? And they became happy. Paro, these low lives. Paro and his Avadim were happy because Yosef now belonged. He wasn't by himself anymore. He was finally accepted. What a lesson from the Torah on Ben Adam Lechavero. And understanding when you push from your group of Chatzal, not in this group, when you have a group of girls that go places and that one kid you don't invite to the party or to go to this girl's house for the Shabbos, that one kid, you need to know that one child, that one girl in your class, she feels like Yasef. She feels alone. She feels unaccepted. And you're pushing her into someone very bad's hands because she's now vulnerable and she just wants to be accepted and she will pay the ultimate price to be accepted by anyone. How careful we have to be to know that what are we looking for? What is this girl looking for? I'm looking for my sisters. Just want to be part of the group in school so I'm not so flamboyant and I don't dress like them and I'm a little bit of a nerd. So you think because I'm a nerd or however I am, I don't want to be part of your group and you always leave me out and I sit there in the corner and I don't say a word but inside I'm broken, I'm broken. 
So the Torah goes through a whole Pasha of Yosef to show you how Yosef had Tzadik. All he wanted was to belong and he tried and he tried and he tried and in the end they still didn't accept him until he hugged them, he kissed them and finally they said, okay. Okay, you're one of us. Now let's look at the end of this Pasha to understand why the Pasha ends this way. So the struggle that Yosef went through with Potiphar's wife, we don't have time to go through the whole struggle, but the struggle, of course, was a huge struggle. And the Chidot says that Yosef was a Gilgal of Adam through Yaakov, and, the, and, and, and Potiphar's wife was the Nachash, and, and, and it was the war of the world, and had he sinned, he was Yisoyed, he's the foundation of the world, the whole world would have been destroyed. This was it. Potiphar's wife, Asia's Potiphar, and there's many riots, Gematris, and everything. It was the Nachash. This was it. This was... This was it. And finally, Yosef was able to escape because he left his jacket. doesn't mean his jacket. He left his gashmias in her hands. And he said, I can't fight you, Yetzirah, if I'm going to have gashmias. If I have gashmias, you're the king of gashmias. So he left it in her hand. And the Pesach says, she left his clothing next to her until the master came home. Says the Chidah, that means the Satan has our clothing, which means our chitzainius, our materialism. Until the master comes home, the master will come home. And when Hashem comes back into the base of Migdosh. That's what it's talking about. So we will always struggle as long as we are wearing clothing. It doesn't mean physical clothing, but spiritual clothing, as long as money and all the other things covered and respect, all the stuff that we live in, as long as we, we don't get rid of that, the Satan has something to grab. It's like a football player. So they wear very tight jerseys. So if you can't catch them, right, you can get a hold of a loose jersey, a jacket, and you'll pull them down. But if you're wearing a tight jersey, you can't pull them down. So every football player knows that if I'm faster than you, I don't want you pulling me down by my sleeve of my jacket because it's hanging behind me, right? So they wear a very tight jersey. So it's the same thing. The less, the less materialism a person has, the less the Yetzirah has what to grab on. So Yetzirah Batsadik was the biggest fight of his life. She was not Stam. The Chidot says, there was, there was, she was, she was, Yetzirah created this woman. He knew what he was doing, right? And Yetzirah was not Stam. And this was a war. A huge war between the two of them. And he made it out by the skin of his teeth. But he was able to break his teva and he was able to leave even though she had all her reasons why Menatoira, she saw the stars that were going to have Jewish children even though it was her daughter, she didn't realize it. And she said, I wasn't married, we never consummated my marriage. I have this in a share. The bottom line is she had all the excuses for him to do the sin. And she was right. All the excuses right, she wasn't an Ashish, and it was in a Shaman that she should have children. Uh, her daughter had the children, uh, Fraim and Menasha. Everything was in place, and he said, At the end of the day, the end of the day is just wrong. I hear everything you're telling me. I hear everything you're telling me. I'm not going to start up with, uh, with, uh, Zumba, right? I'm not going to come to the five town and start up with Zumba, but I heard all the excuses. It's not Jewish music, and it's all the Latin movements, but it's exercise. Sure. We think the Yitzhak is going to tell Beis Yaakov girls to listen to rock and roll. They're going to say, Chas Shalom. I'm going to listen to Gaiyashi music. He's not stupid. I'm not going to tell you, tell you. Go listen to rock and roll. No. Go listen to Latin music. Chas Shalom. Go dance like a guy in a nightclub. Are you crazy? You know who you're talking to? You know what school I went to? He's not stupid. Jumba. Zumba. It's Zumba. I have to exercise. And, 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 and it makes me healthier. It makes me a better Jew. But you also listen to Gaishi music. And it's affecting your soul. Would you play that music if Rabbi Wallstein came to your house? I'm not God. Would you play that music in your school to the Rabbitson? And say, this but but it's exercise. So he's brilliant. And he did this to Yosef Hatzadik. 
Because Yosef HaTzadik told her, how could I be with you? You're, you're a guy. And, not, and, and you're married. I can't be with you. You can't give reasons. The minute he gave reasons, he was in trouble. Because she said, I never consummated, right, by a guy you have to consummate the marriage. I never consummated the marriage, as Rashi says, that actually Potiphar was whatever. I'll keep a lush and nucky because I'm in a, but he bought Yosef for himself, the Ferish Rashi. Rashi says, if you look at us, that's what Rashi says he bought Yosef for himself, that he, he was that kind of guy. Okay? So therefore, his wife never had anything physically to do with him. So she said, according to you, according to Jews, non-Jews can only be married by consummating a marriage through physical act. We never had the physical act. I am not married. And Yosef knew why Potiphar bought him. Yosef went through a very hard time. He knew why Potiphar bought him. So he knew that she was telling the truth. So out went the marriage. Then she went out and said, you learned how to read stars. Look at the stars. And the stars were very clear. Ephraim and Menashe are coming out from Potiphar, Asian Potiphar, and Yosef Antalik. They were clear. And Yosef read them. She said, so you're telling me I'm not a Jew. You're telling me Hashem doesn't want it. Hashem sets up the stars. Hashem is saying he wants it. He had nothing to answer. He had nothing to answer. Once you start giving reasons, the other side will pop your reasons right out the door. He had nothing to answer. So you know what he answered? If you look in the passage, he said, you're right. You're right. Exercise is exercise. It's very healthy for me. I relax. My husband even likes that I go to exercise. And everything is great. And your excuses are right there. They're beautiful. And they make sense. And you can take them to the rabbi. And everything is great. The Kim, he said. You're right, you're not married. You're right, it says in Shemayim. But this cannot be right. This is not what Hashem wants from Yosef HaTzadik. So I don't understand why the stars are lined up like that. I don't understand why. The, but I know, when I look in the mirror, I don't want God in that room when I'm with you. I don't want God walking into that room when that kind of music is playing. So if it's I hear everything else, it's wrong. And I know a lot of people are not happy I'm saying it, and you can argue with me. Hey, after 120, I got to tell you, because Hashem is going to tell me, you stood up in front of all these women, and you didn't mention all about that Latin music that they're listening to, and all this Gaish music, and that Beisako girls come, and then they get into their cars after Zumba, and they're already listening to this music, so they turn on the radio, these girls would have never listened to non-Jewish music, and now they're going home, so you opened up the door, the wall's going, I'm, I, I don't want to suffer for, all, for anybody else. I'm selfish. So I got to say it. You do what you, you got to do. You think about how it's going to affect your kids, and if your Bobby, who's maybe still alive, you should schlep her and say, do you think this is okay, Bobby? Or the one that was in the Holocaust, ask her if it was okay. Ask her if that's why she died in the gas chamber. That's what you wanted to see in her great-granddaughter in 2012, that she should be in such a place. That's your deal. That's not my deal. You have to ask that. Yosef HaTzadik, he made it. He said, you're right. I hear everything you're saying. I just don't see God in the reflection of this. And if it's not, if he's not in the reflection, it's a mirage. Sand doesn't reflect. Water reflects. So he ran for his life. He ran outside. Says the Pasik, when they came to Kriyas Yamsuf, what did Kriyas Yamsuf see that it split? It saw that Yosef HaTzadik beat his teva and ran out from her room so therefore it ran out. What happened? The Yam told Hashem, you created me, Teva. I freeze. I got waves. I got tidal waves. I don't split. You didn't create me to split. 
So why should I break Teva? They both serve Abay Dezara. Why should I do this for them and not for the Arabs, for the Egyptians? And Hashem is, Hashem is MS. He didn't have an answer. Because it's the truth. They were both like the Abay Dezara. Why should he break Teva? Ma Rohayam says the Medrash. Vayanas. What did the ocean see that it split? Aroinai Shal Yosef. The coffin of Yosef. And the Yam said, There is one Jew, not my Shabbenu, not Aaron Akayim, not all the Zakanim. There is the body of one Jew that broke nature. There was Yosef HaTzadik. He was able to run away from this woman even though she was so beautiful. So if he broke nature in his chus, I have to break nature. Otherwise, we were stuck between the Yam and the Egyptians and we would have never made it. So now let's look at the last Pasuk. Not only it's not the worst Pasuk in the Hoboratius, it's the best Pasuk in the Hoboratius. What happened? He died, he was 110 years. And they mummified him. They didn't take him to Israel. Like Yaakov. Had he died and they took him to Israel, then when they came to the Yamsuf, the Yamsuf would have never split. The only reason the Yamsuf split because of the honor of Yosef. So if Yosef would have been buried in Eretz we would have been done. So the Pasuk is telling us, they mummified him, and they put him, never talks about a coffin, in an Arayim, and they buried him in Mitzrayim. Chazak, chazak, when this chazak, the worst plastic in the Torah, it looks like the worst time of life, a hurricane, all these terrible things that Christ was going through, it, to, your, to the naked eye, but if you know what's going on behind it, it was the best plastic. If he wouldn't have been left in Mitzrayim in a coffin, we would have been dead at the answer. So the Torah is telling us, at the end of Beratius, they put him in an Aaron in Mitzrayim. Chazak, chazak, v'nis chazak. That is fantastic news. Rayechi is a Pasha stuma. Life is a very closed Pasha. We think that we understand bad things, good things. The worst Pasha in the Torah is actually the best. So why does Beratius end with this? Because why did Hashem create the world? That the Jewish nation should get the Torah. If he wouldn't have been buried in Mitzrayim, and there wouldn't have been an Aroin of Yosef coming out of Mitzrayim, we would have been destroyed at the Yamsuf. We would have never gotten the Torah. The whole Beratius is not needed. Because the world was only created from Atan Torah. So what better Pasuk to end? Beratius bara Elohim. It's a Shemayim, it's a Aretz. What better Pusik to end that, yes, the last Pusik is what's going to get us to the Matan Taira. It's going to get us to the splitting of the Yam. We need to go inside our own lives. We don't always get this look. We need to go and understand that sometimes, what a terrible thing. He died, they mummified him, they buried him in a box. The time to cry. And the Torah is like, no, it's time to say Chazak, Chazak, Minas Chazak. So in our own lives, in the hurricane, we you went through a lot worse than Brooklyn went through. And I can't tell you why it's good. I'm not going to be a rabbi that's going to get up and give you reasons. 
I don't, I don't know why Hashem did it. I have no idea. But I can tell you one thing. It's a Pasha Stuma. And you got to look at the end of the Pasha. And the end of the Pasha is Chazak Chazak. And it's Chazak. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.